I'm a talking cave. Yes, yes, I know. You heard me right. A talking cave. They made a game about me and everything. And in this episode of Threepcast, five mysterious podcasters will descend deep, deep underground to uncover their darkest secrets. Or possibly just talk about my game. Listen on, if you dare. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Threepcast. I'm your host, Philip Ridgway. I'm Alex Ridgway. I'm Elliot. I'm the mysterious guest. And I'm Anton. I'm actually the host of this. <laughs> Phil, can't, <laughs> Phil can't have the microphone back. Yes, this is Threepcast. Um, this is the 10th episode, and we're going to be discussing the cave. And this is going to be slightly experimental in terms of audio, because this is actually the first time that we've actually recorded an episode of Threepcast where we're all sitting in the same room together. Drinking. Drinking unknown substances. So... Um, we're going to see how this works. We're all huddled around one microphone. Um, so I guess to kick things off, let's discuss how everybody's last month went. Who wants to go first? Phil is going first. I am going first. So I finished my fifth semester at college and never take physical chemistry. Um, other than that, I've been playing, trying to catch up on my backlog of games. Um, I did not believe the hype, but Undertale is definitely worth it. Uh, what else? Um, yeah, it's been a good Christmas. I've had a very happy month. Well, that's great. Who wants to go next? <laughs> Alex, do you want to say a few words about your last month? All right. I got the collector's edition of StarCraft II, Legacy of the Void. This is the most notable <laughs> thing about this month. Like becomes a, because it comes with a Void Speeder mount and the Artanis character for Heroes of the Storm, a great MOBA for the whole family. Okay, that's, that's enough. Do you feel like your life has been fulfilled? Yes. Keep in mind he got this yesterday. <laughs> he got this yesterday. <laughs> okay, great. Um, okay, I guess I can go next. Um, what did I do this last month? <laughs> I came back to Alva. That's been fun. Oh yeah, I got a new laptop. That was technically the previous month. But yes, I have a new laptop that we're currently recording on. Um, and it's pretty awesome. It's Alienware. You didn't die. That's pretty notable. <laughs> I didn't die wow. this month. Um, uh, I put up a, a trailer for one of our new movie projects. Uh, more that's of a still, teaser, yeah, a teaser trailer that's still unannounced. Mysterious. A very mysterious teaser trailer that no, is. No one has figured it out. No one's figured out what it is yet, probably. so probably. <laughs> I disabled comments to kind of uh, <laughs> st stem off any discussion online <laughs> to keep the mystery <laughs> going. Facilitate discussion. What? If you want to have a viral marketing with this weird trailer that people are trying to figure it out, but you don't want them to try to figure it out. We'll have to go elsewhere to figure it out. That's how it works. Um, go on Reddit, nerds. <laughs> yes, go go to Reddit to discuss. Um, not yet. We need to make a subreddit for ourselves, <laughs> and then you can be like Phil. You need to be like gone all the time. Um, 
What else? I've been working on our uh, the adventure game that Anton and I have been working on, which hopefully is going to be coming out next year. Uh, we're getting pretty close to finishing it. We'll make a, a formal announcement about it once it's pretty close to being done. Um, I think that's it for this month. Um, it's been pretty chill and cold. So chill. So chill, yeah. Um, does our mysterious guest want to recap the month? No? Okay, then we'll go on to Anton. I think Anton's got a bit to say. Uh, well, I went to Singapore for a conference. It was warm and humid. Then I went to Japan on the way back, and it was cold and not humid. Then I went back home, and it was even colder, and I graduated or something. That was kind of cool. Then we had Christmas at the end. You don't want to talk about your time in Japan? It was Japan-y. It was basically like an anime, but it was all around you. It was the most immersive immersive anime experience I've ever had. So did you go see any, like, game studios or anything like that? Um, we saw the outside of Square Enix. <laughs> That's about it. That was cool. Did you stop anybody going in? No, it was night. No one was going in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the sketchiest Square Enix visit ever. Mm-hmm. We found the Pokemon Center. It had Pokemon. As you might expect. <laughs> no way. Yes you way. You tell the story about the guy with the giant Pikachu who was oh. trying to leave the store. Well, in the airport... Uh, there's a Pokemon Center in the airport, uh, going out of Japan, the Narita Airport, and we went inside, and there's this guy with a big luggage case, he was holding a giant Pikachu, and he paid for the Pikachu, and he swung open his luggage case, and was, uh, there were so many Pikachus packed in there, like sardines, <laughs> and he was just, like, ma- talking really fast and making wild gestures as though he just wanted one, just one more Pikachu, and it was, it was the best. It was a good time. It was a good time. Apparently... Everybody wants Pikachu. Everybody wants Pikachu. And this is Pikachu. This is Pikachu. Okay, cool. Um, so that's everybody has to say about personal matters. Let's move on to the news. Here's the news. Another So there's actually quite a bit of news this month, which is kind of unusual for us. Um, it's particularly related to Double Fine. Double Fine dropped like three or four news bombs, one right after the other, within the span of a couple of days. Um, I think the biggest one we should start off with, technically not an adventure game, but we're going to give it a pass because it's Tim Schafer. Um, he recently announced Psychonauts 2, and they are going to be crowdfunding Psychonauts 2. Um, they need to raise $3.3 million dollars. At the moment, they're at 91% funded, so they're almost there. So this plug is almost unnecessary. We just want to get the word out there, if there happens to be someone listening to this that loves Tim Schafer like you should, <laughs> and wants to wants to donate to Psychonauts to make sure that this happens. Are you going to judge me for not donating? Yes. What, what, what are your thoughts on Psychonauts 2, Anton? It's It's a game that will probably come out. Those are some reasonable thoughts. <laughs> That's all I can do. Does, does anyone else want to add? Are you happy that there's going to be a Psychonauts 2? Did you feel like it was unnecessary? Alex has a thought. I'm concerned that it won't be very good. Well, it's like, they have enough of the original people on board that I'm sure that they could make a good game. I'm just concerned 
with the fact that it's going to turn into one of those everyone fun it might turn into everyone funds it we don't see it for like three years and then when it comes out no one's hype again like it, all the stuff might get leaked to the point where everyone knows everything by the time it comes out due to kickstarter bonuses and kickbacks and whatnot same well, I feel like they did a pretty good job keeping stuff secret for Broken Age. Like, I didn't feel like the whole game was spoiled by the time it came out, because I'd been following along with all the Kickstarter updates. So, yeah, there's hope. I, I mean, I feel like they've done this once already. I feel like whatever pitfalls they fell into with Broken Age, like running out of money, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like they sort of learned their lesson, maybe this time. Maybe. I'm excited that it exists. Yeah, I was pretty excited when I saw the trailer. At first I thought it was a hoax. Like, it came across on my phone as a tweet from Tim that just said, This trailer makes me very happy. And it said Psychonauts 2. And I, th my first initial thought was, Oh, this is like a fan movie or, you know, some kind of fan game where they're carrying on Psychonauts. But then I watched it and realized what it was. And then I was happy. Yeah! <laughs> um, and then right on the heels of this, they announced that another Psychonauts game is coming out for PlayStation 4. Um, Psychonauts and the Rhombus of Ruin. That's the Oculus Rift one, right? Yeah, well, it's it's the PlayStation VR yeah. headset, whatever Sony has. It's going to be a a, uh, a first-person virtual reality Psychonauts game, which will be really interesting, except I don't have a PlayStation 4 right now, so I'm not, I'm not sure how I'm going to play it. But I think that um, typically Double Fine announces all their stuff as Sony PlayStation exclusives, and then like a couple days later they come out and say, oh yeah, it's also coming out for everything else. So I have hope that I'll be able to play it without buying a PlayStation. Um, also, they also announced, or uh, rather, they released the uh, first trailer for their Day of the Tentacle Remastered Edition. And um, do we want to talk about that? Because I feel like people have different opinions on Day of the Tentacle. I'll go, I'll go first. I'll go first because I'm like the apologist for Day of the Tentacle Remastered. I think it looks decent. Okay, so I think that the fact that, just the mere fact that um, the game is getting r released at all, I think is a plus, right. because it's been out of print since, like, 2002 or 2003, like, the game has just been completely unavailable anywhere. Yeah. So just the fact that it's being put out there again, I think, is a bonus, and, you know, it's going to have commentary on everything, so I think that should be great. Um, now that I've seen the graphics in action in the trailer, I have to say that I'm not a hundred percent impressed like i think that it works i think it's serviceable but i mean it, it just kind of well see i have a different perspective than most people because i played somebody else's day of the tentacle copy and i only played it what last year yeah and so i liked it just fine no graphics changes, but just the fact that their update graphics seems nice to me, and I don't care if it's not perfectly nostalgic, because I feel like the game has already stood the test of time, pretty much. Because it didn't need new graphics to be a good game. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I think Phil wants to say something. Um, it's a thing of, like... I'm happy that they're re-releasing re it. Like, it's really... I think, the fact that you couldn't get it legally was awful so now that you can get it it's great i do think though that they are rushing it and i would have liked to see them take a little bit care of it there are some screens like some screenshots have been coming out some screens like have like you know update graphics but like certain sections are just totally untouched pixel wise like i'm ha i'm like i just wish they'd take more time like monkey special 
addition of Monkey Island 1 and 2, the fact that you could switch back and forth, that was really nice. They didn't even have to do that for this one. But the fact that it feels like they didn't commit to like totally updating all the graphics, making sure that they changed it all, I thought it felt a little like they could have spent some more time on it. But the fact that we're getting it legally again, that's nice. I, I was wondering, can you switch the graphics back and forth? And yes, it has one? all the original graphics. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so if you don't like the new graphics, you can just turn it off. Oh, also remastered audio. Like, that's another plus. I like the fact that they're bringing all the audio back. That's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mostly agree with Phil. I'm glad that it's available again. The graphics kind of irk me because they're inconsistent now. Or when it was all just pixels, then it all looked nice because it all matched everything else, and now it's kind of mushy. And I, kind of, I, I when I played the original game, I kind of it evoked this kind of Chuck Jones Looney Tunes aesthetic, and they didn't really preser- preserve that when they were updating it. They just kind of traced over everything. Yeah, it definitely did just look... It lost. I feel like it did lose a lot of the uh, little pixely personality when they just traced over everything. But, you know... Wow! <laughs> I'm still going to play it. I'm still going to buy it. I think yeah. it, it, will, it will be good. Better than nothing. <laughs> Better than nothing. Yeah, definitely. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, to... I think I'm going to enjoy all the commentary tracks. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, and, and, and also, while we're on the note of Telltale... Wait, hold on, wait. That was, that we're went, not. Okay, well, we're, now we're let's move on to the note of Telltale, no. because they announced the <laughs> Batman. Hang on, wait, hold it, hold it. <laughs> one minute, we've got, we've got one more Double Fine thing to say. Um, <laughs> Double Fine announced, on top of all of this, this is like their fourth announcement in the span of like a couple of days, they're going to be remastering Full Throttle, which was like the other, the only Tim yes. Schafer LucasArts game that hasn't been touched yet. So I'm pretty excited about that. I think, you know, see, I think the fact that I th- I feel like maybe the day of the tentacle project was, you know, salvaged from the Singapore team. And so that might be why we have some of this tracing over business. But if full throttle is done entirely by double fine, maybe it'll be, it'll look slightly different. Maybe. That's my I mean, thoughts. I'm, I'm just glad they're coming out again at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that That's too. Right. Yeah. Same sentiments as day of the tentacle. Yeah. Okay, Alex, you can say your thing now. Telltale announced they're making a Batman game! <laughs> and you're wearing a Batman uh, cowl to celebrate. Yes. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on Telltale and Batman? They better let me have the choice to kill the Joker so I can respectfully decline and be better than everyone else. Uh... <laughs> um. So, Alex, do you think it will be more touching than Minecraft Story Mode? No, no, Minecraft story mode is the pinnacle of storytelling. <laughs> Alex has just gotten through playing through the first four episodes of Minecraft story mode in preparation for the epic conclusion, and he was he was deeply moved by by the by the the emotional bit at the end. I considered the thought of crying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that that moves me, Alex. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Does anyone else have any thoughts on Batman Telltale? I think it could be interesting. Generally, I feel like Telltale grabs licenses that I didn't really think would make good adventure games, but then they do something interesting with them. So I'm generally... I feel like they generally do a good job. I agree. Cool. Um, Last bit of news. Um, The other big thing that Telltale announced this month is they're going to be releasing a new Walking Dead game called Michonne. Is that how you say her name? I think so. Michonne. That sounds right. So, you hadn't heard about that? No. Yeah, this is... 
So this is not a third season. This is just like one of the one-off. Well, is it three episodes? Does I anybody know? It was know? a full season because they were going to change away from Clementine. Right. Oh, it's a Walking Dead thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Michonne is actually a character from the TV show and the comics as opposed to Lee and Clementine, who I don't think are in the comics. They're certainly not in the TV show. Right. I think, um, yeah, I don't know anything about The Walking Dead beyond the uh, Telltale games that have already come out, so I don't really know anything about this project. But it's Walking Dead, so it should be pretty good. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, okay, cool. That's all the news I had. Does anyone else have anything? I do. Uh, just a sort of an indie game thing. I found a cool game while I was randomly surfing the web as the mad skills internet surfer that I am. Um, so I found a game that somebody's making. I don't think it has an official title yet, but their Twitter page is Tala the Game. And it looks has a really cute aesthetic because it's like photorealistic backdrops with like hand-drawn characters and items and stuff in the game. And they have a Patreon if, you're in, if that sounds like your thing, but it exists. It looks cool and I'm interested to see if it actually comes out eventually. So there's that. Sounds like cool beans. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do a quick intermission, and then we're going to come back and talk about the cave. Um, for this intermission, uh, we thought you might like to hear an interview with Ron Gilbert on the making of the cave. So we haven't actually, I haven't picked which one I'm going to do, but I will edit in credits for whichever interview I steal for this podcast. We stole the GameSpot one. <laughs> when we return, prepare your buns for strong opinions. <laughs> Same. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> hey guys, you're joining us in a cave for a game, The Cave, and I'm joined by Ron Gilbert, who is the creative director and project lead behind it. So Ron, tell us a little bit about what we can expect from The Cave. Well, The Cave is this adventure game about these seven characters, and you choose any three of them, and you go descend this uh, dark, deep, sentient, talking cave. Mm -hmm. And so so you were saying uh, to us earlier in, in your presentation that you really want to get back. It's kind of a project that's been in your head for 25 years. You want to get back to that sort of dynamic of having three characters. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the original idea for this you know, predates Maniac Mansion. Uh, the original idea only had three characters, but you know, since Maniac Mansion, I've always wanted to revisit doing seven characters, and I've always, I always liked the way you know people kind of have their favorite Maniac Mansion characters. You know, I love Razor, I love Bernard, uh, and so I wanted to do something that was just this odd, eclectic group of characters that uh, go into this cave. So tell us about some of the characters that we'll be playing. There's uh, the knight. Uh, he is uh, he is there searching for a. Uh, you know, a weapon of unequaled power. There's a scientist, you know, she's on the cusp of a great discovery for all of mankind. Uh, the hillbilly, he's, uh, you know, looking for love, which I guess a lot of people do in caves, I'm assuming. Uh, and the twins, they just want to go outside and play. Really? I mean, how innocent could that be? Each of the seven characters, uh, they have uh, really their own story for why they're there. And uh, they have their own areas of the cave that are really themed for them. Uh, the hillbilly, he's looking for love. And so, you know, what you uh, would have played was this uh, odd underground carnival that you find embedded in this cave, which is about his story. So you go into this carnival and he's fallen in love with this um, 
carnival freak, the two-legged lady, and you go in uh, with him and kind of play through a little bit of, of his story. You sort of explain that, that the adventure genre is kind of the original co-op experience, or it kind of that's where it originated from, you think? Yeah, it always has for me. When I was playing adventure games as a kid, it was me and my friends all huddled around the computer. You know, one of us uh, got to do the typing, uh, but the other ones were always shouting out ideas and try this or try that, or ooh, I think I figured this out. And, you know, what we wanted to do with the cave was bring that real co-op experience, you know, to an adventure game. So you could sit on the couch and play the game, but your friend, you know, or your husband or your wife or whoever could, could really be playing along with you. And and, you know, at some level, they don't have to do anything more than just follow you around. But, you know, rather than them sitting on the couch just watching you play a game, they just get to follow you around at least. And then sometimes they'll have an idea. Oh, I, th I think I figured out how to get the fuse out. And then they'll just go do it because it's just completely seamless the way that the co-op works. The monk, he seeks a journey filled with peace and enlightenment and murder. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, at its core, it's an adventure game. So the the main you know gameplay you know mechanic of the game is adventure game puzzle solving. The platforming is this very very light level. Mm -hmm. So at no point are you going to be missing jumps. Uh, there's no point that we expect you to time things perfectly. It was just to keep keep people engaged. And one of the things that modern gamers really look for in games is this moment-by-moment -moment gameplay. What am I doing this second? What am I doing the next second? And you know, with a lot of adventure games, you know, things you know tended to move very slowly because you know you were just doing a lot of thinking, you know, a lot of a lot of that stuff. Walking around was a little bit slow. So the platforming was just something that we wanted to do, just you know, try to keep people engaged a little bit more with the game. So it's not particularly punishing, for example, if you fall off a ledge and, and hit the ground, you're not punished for that? No, not at all. Uh, the, the cave, you know, as a sentient talking cave, he really wants to make sure everybody makes it through. So if you die, he just resurrects you and, you know, you just kind of little smoke and stuff and you appear, you know, five, ten seconds um, back. But it's not a game reset. I mean, any puzzles you would have solved, stay, um, stay solved. Your, your character's just you know, resurrected. And of course, this, you know, your, your involvement in the game, Double Fine's involvement in the game, it's, it seems to have that humorous element to it, particularly in the, uh, in the narration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, humor has always been important to me, even if I'm telling a story that is somewhat serious. Like, the cave story is somewhat serious, right? I mean, these are seven kind of horrible people at some, some, uh, you know, some degree. And so telling a, a serious story, but then being able to lay a lot of humor on it is something that I, you know, really, really enjoy a lot. All right, Ron, so tell us when we can expect to see The Cave and on what platforms. Uh, the Cave will be out in January, and it will be on the Xbox, PlayStation Network, the Wii U, and uh, Steam for the PC. Great stuff. Thanks for your time, Ron. And you can find out more about The Cave. Just head over to GameSpot.com. Okay, so we're back, and we're ready to talk about The Cave. The cave. The cave. So I'm going to be reading the wiki page for the cave, giving you guys, yes, we need to time it, giving you guys some amazing facts about this great double fine adventure. Are we ready? Okay, 60 seconds. Of no, 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 it's 90 seconds. 90 seconds. Oh. 90 seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds. 10 Two seconds. seconds. <gasps> <clears throat> the cave is a puzzle platform adventure video game developed by Double Fine Productions and published by Sega in January 2013. The game was created by Ron Gilbert, building on an idea that he had had for nearly 20 years about a cave that lures people into it to explore their darker personality traits. 
the game borrows concepts from his earlier 1987 game Maniac Mansion, in which the player initially selects three different characters from a cast of seven to explore the cave. Many of the game's puzzles require the three characters to work in coordination to complete, while some puzzles are specific to the unique abilities of a single character. Uh, Ron Gilbert has been working with adventure games since his days at LucasArts. Uh, he left LucasArts in 1992. This isn't about the cave. What is this? <laughs> Gil Gilbert has stated that the idea for the cave uh, has been one he had for a long time. While still LucasArts, he drew out parts of a labyrinthine cave complex on paper, but the idea never expanded beyond anything at that point. Um, by September 2010, Gilbert was officially working uh, part of Double Fine to work on the cave. Um, at that time, he said he was working on a new title that was an entirely new concept and that, quote, fans of those old adventure games will like it, unquote. Um, the cave's gameplay development was based on three defining factors in Gilbert's mind. Having the player select three of a number of characters to explore the cave, to offer a light platforming element to offer other challenges outside of puzzles, and to avoid the use of an inventory system. Uh, Gilbert's earlier Maniac Mansion influenced him to revisit the concept of having several playable characters. Um, he recognized... Uh, uh, well, uh, okay. We got some cool facts in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So should we start by describing what the cave is? Yeah, so we're going to start with a spoiler-free review of the cave and kind of talk about our thoughts on the game, and then we are going to break for a bit, and then we're going to go into spoiler zone and talk about specific puzzles and things within the cave. And just to get out of the way, um... Uh, myself and our mysterious guest have only played through the uh, cave once, so we only experienced uh, three of the seven characters. Oh, Phil has something to say. Um, I will say just on the nature of the cave, you like, as we've heard multiple times from one of the people on the show, you have to play <laughs> through it multiple times to see kind of everything. Um, yeah, so... If you want to get a really good feel for the cave, you really do need to play it quite a few times. It's not a terribly long game, so that helps with it, but you do have to... There are some... Uh, rep there's re a lot of repetition between the puzzles. Well, being an adventure game, uh, the puzzles are the most notable thing about the gameplay, and each character has their own specific level in their own puzzles in that level. So, and because you can only take three characters with you out of the seven... You can only see the all of the game unless you play it like three times. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, yeah. So we'll have some opinions that will just be like kind of surface level first impression opinions. This was just because of a time constraint thing. We didn't have time to play through the cave uh, multiple times before recording. So some of us will only have like first impression, first playthrough opinions. Everyone else will be able to go deeper on this. Deeper. Okay, um, so as far as. Where are you smiling? Uh, I don't know, I'm excited to talk about Stop the game. Smiling. <laughs> no happiness allowed. Aww. We're being serious professionals here. Um, so who wants to go first for spoiler free reviews of the cave? We'll just go around this. We can go around, yeah, go around Robin. Okay, Phil's going first. Yeah. So it has been quite a while since I sort of finished. Uh, when I played the cave originally, I didn't stop until I kind of saw... I didn't see everything, but I played through all the characters at least once. Saw a couple of the different endings. I will say, like, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt, because the only version I played it has been for the port for the Wii. Just... Wii U. Yeah, Wii U. Sorry. Excuse me. So, I'm going to say that 
the quality of the game is a little disappointing. It feels kind of shoddy a lot of times, like the physics, the way it works. Um, it feels like it could have been a lot more refined. The ladder physics, especially, I remember, were quite frustrating, aggravating, and torturous. Um, another gameplay flaw I noticed... I'm trying to get all the bad stuff out of the way before I move on, but another flaw I noticed was it's really odd how it's built. Because there are three people that you take into the cave, you can have up to three people playing. However, a lot of the puzzles, a lot of the mechanics of the game, it feels like you should have one character controlling all three, because otherwise you have to like hold down certain buttons to get past certain puzzles. Whereas if you're just one player, when you switch between the characters, they'll just assume you're holding down those buttons still. So like the mechanics feel really weird. Like it, It's a lot more tedious if you're by yourself, but if you're playing with multiple people, it's a lot more convoluted how to get from puzzle to puzzle. Um, those are kind of the mostly the negative things. Uh, I did like... It was very... The atmosphere of the game was very introspective, and that was definitely the point they're trying to get across, trying to sort of examine each of the characters and kind of talk about them. The way they get across the expositions of why each character is going into the cave I thought was really interesting. And it, uh, like the order you get them changes depending on who you bring in. Like You won't like get the same murals in the same spots every time. But I thought that was an interesting way to kind of explain the characters without being too obtuse. Um... I would definitely say that there are certain characters you should and should not take. Some of the characters... I, the puzzle quality varies from character to character. I'll talk more about kind of my tier list. Because I've been thinking about a lot, like, the optimal, like, who sh you should bring into the cave for the best, like, adventure game. Consider like, th th theoretically, that you're only going to play through it once, like, in any adventure game. But, anyway. So, yeah, that's kind of my initial thoughts. Well, I, I think it would be important to say before all the people who don't want the game spoiled before they go away to talk about this, but the game is a side-scrolling adventure game with a very cartoony aesthetic. The narrator is the cave himself talking about what the cave is or what he is and why everyone's going in and stuff. But uh, like Phil said about the single-player and multiplayer aspects of the game, it feels like the creators were never certain what was the optimal way to play it. So when you're by yourself, you have to move one character to a spot and then go all the way back and move another character and then go all the way back and do it again. And with the uh, very delayed movement on the control stick and the bad frame rate, the platforming <laughs> could be really hard to do, so you'll fall off cliffs and have to do all the levels again. Um, so that's kind of dumb, but when you're in multiplayer it's very chaotic because the camera doesn't know what to focus on. So they'll move away from a puzzle or it will just it'll just be weird. And on that note, technically, the game, in the technical level, the game is very bad. Because you can... You can you, <laughs> oh. well, well, Alex is throwing down some serious opinions. You, you can go into walls. There, there's one puzzle where you literally can get stuck and you have to reset the game. This happened to Phil and I once. Um, however, if you have to play it through one way, I would say multiplayer is probably better. Simply because backtracking three times is terrible. Um, <laughs> I think the game would improve a lot if they had a move everyone or put everyone in like a single bulk. So they can move as one character would have really helped a lot. Um, yeah, I think that's 
I, I you would get it all out of your system. I would say, but but see the thing the thing about the cave also, another flaw I would say it has is, it's trying to get you to play through it multiple times because each character has an ending, mm. and a different ending, depending on what you do in the cave, and you have seven characters, which means if you want to play through it, if you want to see everything, you'd have to play it through it more than seven times. I would say, I I don't I can't. You did it in five. Well, we, you have to do every character, and then every character's ending. Uh, you but, go three at a time. Yeah, though. but there's seven characters, yeah, so you have 14. to... Okay, well, you have to do it a lot. And the more you do it, the worse the game gets. <laughs> because you see more of the technical flaws, and you have to repeat more because you have to repeat characters. And no matter... Even if you're going for the good ending or the bad ending, the puzzles are the same. And... And even if you have different characters, there are these in-between puzzles with each level that are exactly the same. And it gets even more frustrating when you solve a puzzle with a character's special ability. And I should note this, that each character has their own special thing they can do. So, like, the monk can teleport objects and the whatnot. So sometimes you'll have a character who's really good at doing something, and you'll think, wow, this is really useful. And then you'll go back with all these other guys who don't have those powers... And you'll think, well, how do I get through this now? And you have to sit there. And that's really frustrating because, you know, you did it before. Now you have to do it again. But it's, but, nice. but it's, it's, it's like, going through a, like going through an old Zelda game except they take away all your hearts. And it's like, oh, great. Now I have to find some, some slower, less fun way of doing it, I guess. I think that I kind of like that aspect of it just because, like, you'd play through multiple times and, like, you would have to change up your party members and some puzzles would have to change their shape depending on who you had. Like, you'd have to think of different solutions for different puzzles. Well, that's true. But on another, what Phil said as well is there's definitely a tier list of characters who have useful powers and characters who are just the worst. Um, but yes... Although those are all bad things, I feel like if you play through it once, you'll have a much more fun time. But but then you'll sit there and think, what what happens if I play through it again with all these different characters? And then you'll be like, what happens if I do it with all these different endings? And you'll get more and more jaded until you're a bat <laughs> until you're Batman like me, and you're just ranting about it. Anyway, I would give it a an. A seven point five out of ten for one through one playthrough, and then decrease it 0.5 points every time you do it again. But uh, once you get through three playthroughs, decrease an entire point with the score, and that's so my score with the game. Uh, I played through it three times, I believe. So it would be like it'd be like a six point five, I think. That's what I, I would rate. What I think of it right now is like a like a four. <laughs> but, wow. But um. I hate numbers, but I have to give them. You gotta, you gotta, gotta work with the system, you know. You gotta play ball. You gotta play ball, you know. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more apologetic <laughs> for my review. Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting you guys are talking about how, like, the game became more, like, banal to play, like, the more times you went through it. I mean, since I only played through once, I can't really speak to this, but I think it would be interesting to put this in context of the game we reviewed last month, 999, just because it seemed like that game had a lot of um, thematic and kind of, I don't know, conceptual similarities, because, you know, you had you had a group of people that were trying to get through this maze, and, you know, you sort of uncover their dark character traits as you go through it, and then, like, when you reach the end, depending on 
you know, who you put in your party, like you'll get different endings. Um, I mean, I don't know how, how the cave holds up over multiple playthroughs, but... Oh, Alex is interrupting. Oh, I was just going to say that in 999, each time you play through it, so you get like nine characters, and you you go with go through a lot of it with all of them, but then they kind of split up, and you learn a thing about each one of them on each run through. So each time it feels really fun and different. Although it does have the same problem with repeating the puzzles. The game acknowledges the fact that you're repeating the puzzles and says, well, here's a reason for that. Well, yeah, yeah, right. I know that 999 came up with like a story-related reason why you were going through everything multiple times, but when you're in the middle of it, like I kind of felt like what you're describing with the cave of like having to go through certain segments that are different, but then having to go through the same main puzzle sections that are all the same, like that's a lot like 999. But the cave never has an ending point where you say, oh, that's the reason I did that nine times. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think, like, I mean, I can start at the end of my list since we're talking about how the cave ends. I felt like the um, the ending was minorly unsatisfactory just because, like, you get all the way to the end of the cave and you're rewarded with, like, some mural art to tell you what happened to the character. And I understand it was probably, like, a budget thing, but it would have been nice if there had been, like, a cutscene to show you you know, what happened because of, you know, your final choice in the cave. It keeps it all... The fact that they do that means it keeps the whole game in the cave. And if they took the camera, like, away from the cave, then you'd lose the claustrophobic... Oh, so you're saying it's like a rear window thing? Yeah. Or it's just because they don't leave. and you, Your only uh, perspective on the outside world away from the cave is through the little murals you unlock. It, like... I guess keeps it focused on... I don't know, it makes the cave seem very isolated and distended. You don't know exactly what it is, and that helps it to maintain its, like, mysterious atmosphere. Yeah, right, I think we're maybe dancing a little bit into spoiler territory since we're talking about the ending. Um, uh, yeah, we're getting close, we should stop. Like, I, I enjoyed it. My, I enjoyed my first playthrough of the cave. I felt like some of the things you guys brought up were valid. I did feel like the game was somewhat unpolished. Like, we ran into a bunch of bugs running through it where certain people would just completely fall off the map and like go into like infinity land where <laughs> my character every time yeah certain people kept falling off the map every time for some reason some people. and um i agree about the uh the ladder physics i had uh i had a lot of problems with getting on and off of ladders i thought that was kind of troublesome also i didn't understand um why fall damage was such a big thing in this game because i didn't feel like it was necessary or that it added anything to any of the uh, puzzles okay people are leaning forward you... oh I don't know. somebody I... wanted to add something oh, I, was... I was just going to say the way they uh structured the puzzles a lot of them uh involved kind of precise jumping which like you have to have the fall damage in order to like make it so that you can't like skip past some puzzles. It was just built into like the puzzle structure for a couple of them, especially during the minor section. Um, I will say though that I would have been fine with that, but the fact that the controls, at least on the Wii U version, seemed really unresponsive. I don't know how like it would hold up on like on a keyboard or a gamepad on a PC, but yeah, I think that the fall damage was kind of obtuse and very annoying on certain puzzles. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, to go over to the positive side for a second, I did like kind of what Anton was touching on, just the whole premise of having the whole game surround this, uh, or, or revolve around this cave. Like, I thought that that was very cool, how it kind of felt very, like, claustrophobic, and, I don't know, you're kind of, like, 
you're going further and further underground and like you have this cave that's talking to you and like making all this commentary on your actions and whatnot. I thought that that was thematically it was very interesting. It kind of reminded me of like, you know, the Joseph Campbell hero's journey, you know, kind of story archetype of descending into a cave and discovering yourself and stuff like that. Um, I generally liked all the puzzles in the game. I thought that was, um, I thought all the puzzles were nicely designed. Um, I have a specific set of puzzles that I particularly enjoyed, but I'll, I'll talk about that in the spoiler section. Um, I liked the cave narrator too. I thought that the, uh, the voice actor that did him was, uh, entertaining to listen to. He reminded me of Gary Owens, the, uh, the guy who does the, uh, the narration on the Space Quest games. I thought that it was, uh, kind of similar, kind of humorous sarcasm. Um, I did feel like some of the jokes weren't that great, though. Like, some of the jokes did fall a little bit flat. Um, but, you know, was, like, humor was kind of hit or miss in this. And, um, I don't know, some of the voice actors could have been, could have been a bit better. Uh, on the note of the jokes, the jokes are the same every time you play through the game. <laughs> so every, you'll, so you get tired of listening to them. You, you, you go back to this one place, and you hear the same coconut joke for the fifth time, and you think, this is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I can I can see that the the uh the jokes would kind of wear thin after a while. I mean, on the whole, I enjoyed it. Um I mean, it would have been nice if they had given it like an extra month or two of polish so that you didn't have characters falling through the floor and stuff like that, but you know, if you can forgive that, I I I generally enjoyed the uh the experience. I thought kind of what you guys were talking about. I thought the fact that we played it in multiplayer mode with three people kind of made things more fun. Because once we got a rapport going and we could kind of signal to each other, like, okay, now you go do this, now you go do this, I felt like it, it kind of, like, had this nice teamwork aspect to it. But I, I felt like, um, yeah, playing it through it by yourself would get pretty tedious and having to, like, move characters all over the place to go hold switches and stuff would get kind of tiresome. Um, that's about all I had to say. So I feel like a lot of what I say will mostly be repeating things. I hated the ladder physics. My character was the one constantly falling off the map. I fell into infinity like three times, and I glitched into a wall. And so that was fun. And it, like, this seems to be an overall trend in the games that I play, is that they just keep, because game studios have to make money, they keep rushing them out, Buggy, looking at you, Batman Arkham. (laughs) (laughs) The one that came out that didn't work. (laughs) That one. The one that came out most recently. Arkham Knight, thank you. Alex says it's Arkham Knight. Um, So if I don't want to repeat things, the narrator for me fell a bit flat. Like, he wasn't bad, but he felt like they were trying to do what the Stanley Parable did and not hitting the rather high bar that it sets. Because I've played all of Stanley Parable. I've gotten, like, every single ending in existence. And that narrator was fun. Like, I loved trying to make him say new things. But this narrator, as Alex pointed out, does not really change much, and his jokes are, you know, they're okay, but they're not like, I want to hear this five times good. I uh, think the Stanley <laughs> Parable is a good thing to bring up. I actually totally didn't think of that, like, Alex said something. Oh, hold on. On, on the note of the jokes, is a positive, actually. Uh, each area has its different narrator. Like, each time you play through it, the different character, you get to different levels, and the narrator will say different things. So, for those places... The narrator is not too obnoxious, but but because you have to go through these in between spots, it's it's very yeah. Anyway, it's it's right. worthy of noting that they do have their own jokes and stuff for each area that each character is unique to. 
Right, because so like as you're going through the cave, there's certain areas that are specific to certain characters, but then you'll like come back to like these hub levels that like everybody has to go through each time. So I think that's what Alex was referring to. So if I want to do some positives, like it was mentioned, I only played through it once, but I feel like it did a good enough job that I do want to play it again. Like I am genuinely intrigued as to what the other characters are, even if my rating goes down each time I play it. <laughs> so in that sense, I think it did hit you know some goal of replayability there. Um, I did enjoy the puzzles. I thought for the most part they were you know decently hard. They weren't like so easy and in your face that it was boring. Um, one thing, my biggest pet peeve with this game was I felt like I did not get enough story. Like, the way it tells the story is okay for what it is, but I felt like there was more interesting story there that you didn't get to see and you can never see because it's just not a big element of the game, really. And I also was dissatisfied with the ending, but we'll leave that for spoiler territory. <laughs> right, like the way you find out about each character's backstory is sort of done through, like, mural concept art that you kind of find as you go through the cave and so like how much you find out about each character is kind of limited i think like it, like you said it's just kind of like a format thing because you know, with 999 you can have paragraphs and paragraphs well, i was just going to say that none of the characters have any voice acting so they're well okay they have grunts it's like link you're they're all they're all link they all make right sounds well, Link is like a okay. That's a different thing. Look, well, the point I'm trying to make is each character is a cardboard cutout of a singular emotion. They have no depth. Yeah, I kind of see that. Like, okay, I, I I'll come back to this once we go into spoiler zone. But yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I don't, did you have anything else to add? No, I think I'm done. Okay, uh, Anton, what did you think of the cave? I love the cave. <laughs> so, so my introduction to the cave was I come back from college one weekend. Phil and Alex had just finished playing this game like seven times. And they're like, hey, Anton, you have to play the cave. It's the worst game you've ever played. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to play the cave. And I just had the most fun because <laughs> it's just the stupidest game. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. It's really goofy. It just really oozes atmosphere. And I really love the atmosphere. And it's so great. <laughs> I like the narrator. He adds a lot. I don't know. Just in terms of just like his attitude and his smart, smarmy, sarcastic tone. I, I, and the puzzles. The puzzles were fun. I don't know. There, there. I mean, there weren't any really annoying, irritating puzzles like you sometimes have in adventure games. And I think it's probably down to Ron Gilbert having done this before. You don't have, you know, crate-pushing puzzles or block-sliding puzzles. You did actually push crates. Well, you do push crates, but it's not, they're not, they're not in a no, puzzle I, I way. It's like, all the puzzles are pretty straightforward, fun, adventure gamey puzzles, where it's like, oh, I pick up this item and move it over here. Um, mechanically, the game was kind of problematic, because, as everyone else mentioned, you can fall through the walls, and, like, there's a, they assigned a kill button on all the controllers, so if you do fall through the wall, you can go, jump back to where you were. So that's kind of bad. But, uh... <laughs> And the platforming feels kind of unnecessary, but at the same time, it feel, I think it without it, you couldn't really get the multiplayer thing that they have going right now, and I enjoyed that a lot. <clears throat> it's like, I think it was a really good party game, because like Elliot was saying, once you get, if you have three people and you're all playing it at the same time, you can kind of develop sort of a rapport with each other, and then it's kind of goofy and fun just to horse around with it. I probably wouldn't recommend binging it and just playing multiple run-throughs of the cave consecutively, because you probably would get burned out, but I think it's a good game to play periodically and just have fun with. 
there's enough content there that it's enjoyable. I forgot to mention that in this game you have no inventory, and items are very uh, items are the way you solve puzzles. You you there's like you don't have a look at kick button. You just have a pick up item and use item button. So because you have no inventory, each character holds an item, but they can only hold one item because you know for some reason they can't use their other hand. So <laughs> you got to use that to like push crates and open doors and stuff. Yeah, I get that, but climb ladders. <sighs> <laughs> They're very bad at that. Um, I the, you get more than three items though, so you have to do this weird meta item management thing where they're like, "Here's the item HUD. I'll throw all my items here, right?" So you can sort it out and be like, "Okay, I'll take this item here." So not only is that a lot of backtracking and stuff because these levels are pretty big, um, you also have this weird item, like the item priority system. I don't know what you'd call it, but how the game decides what item you pick up when you press the pick up button is really uh, bad. Because you'll be like, I'm trying to pick up this bucket, and then you'll pick up like a thing from across the screen, and I'll be like, how? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't have problems with that, because I don't think when we were going through the cave, we didn't really have like an item hub strategy of like putting all your inventory items all in one place. We just kind of dropped them wherever. Um, Yeah, kind of going off what you were saying, Anton, I kind of liked the the fact that the side scrolling was kind of mixed into it like i thought that kind of I, I don't think you would have gotten the same um kind of spelunking kind of atmosphere if you had gone with like a traditional adventure game with like painted backgrounds or whatever like, the fact that you were actually walking around and jumping down holes i felt like that added a lot more to the the atmosphere of the game that you wouldn't have got if you'd just gone with point and click i agree I really enjoy cave games where it's just like you go into a cave and you get deeper and deeper like and Metroid. deeper. Like Metroid or like uh, Great Cave Offensive on Kirby Superstar. It's like you just get deeper and deeper and deeper and it just gets weirder and weirder and there's all this stuff just thrown in there. It's like, this should not be in a cave. Why is this here? Yeah, and it's was, so bizarre and unsettling. That was the other thing I really liked about it was that there was all of these things that were inside the cave that shouldn't have been there. Like island well i don't know if this is spoilers yeah, okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> just we'll there's, there's lots of like weird bizarro like sort of ron gilberty humory things like the uh, the grog machine for monkey island is pretty early on in the cave mm -hmm. so like stuff like that that i thought was that added a lot of atmosphere i think if they just gone with like a traditional cave with like nothing in it but cave things it would have gotten boring really fast the fact that it was just like this like someone taking a big kitchen blender and threw in all these like just random household objects and kind of spit them out inside this cave. I thought that that was, that was pretty cool. I think that the fact that there's sort of a supernatural element to it also adds a lot as far as atmosphere, because it's like, brings it into this sort of weird Twilight Zone thing, where it's like the weird things that are happening, you feel like they have a purpose. It kind of makes it a little bit more of a brain tickler. Right, especially also since your characters are um, sort of like these people with dark pasts, like... You know, that, that kind of adds more to, like, the Twilight Zone thing you were talking about. Like, it's like a morality tale, where it's, like, these people coming into this place to learn their lesson, like the Twilight Zone. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, well, yeah, and I guess I, I, I did appreciate how, just in general, the puzzles were structured such that the platforming factored into it. It's like, so the, the fall damage stuff was annoying, but it's like... They used they used it fairly effectively in, to uh, structure how you explore the environments. And they didn't introduce enough. In, they didn't introduce like twenty inventory items at a time like they do in most adventure games. So it wasn't they, like they spaced out all of the puzzles really carefully so that they wouldn't get so complicated that the platforming stuff became burdensome. 
And even though they had trouble, it seemed like they had trouble balancing it between like single player and multiplayer design. They kind of hit a middle ground where it's only slightly, it's slight, somewhat annoying for for both versions of the game. But it's <laughs> yeah. not, it's not like great for one version and totally terrible for the other either. Yeah. So it can be played both ways, and I think that was probably done really deliberately. I did like what what you were saying about how they keep the level of inventory items manageable, like kind of to contrast it with Maniac Mansion, where you know you can have like thirty to forty objects in like this one area. The fact that it was a little more linear, I think, made it more uh, more of a more enjoyable experience. Uh, I would like to disagree with Anton when he said that the platforming was never cumbersome, especially on the last level, which, by the way, is a level that you have to play through every time, no matter what characters you take. There is a part with so much platforming that is just so obnoxious, especially if you're playing by yourself, when you have to move every character across and you fall down, you have to go back. And because you don't have a zoom out button, it's very hard to tell where you're going. So I I, I didn't like that part. But, yeah. Okay, maybe this would be a good place to switch over to spoiler zones, because, um, spoiler zone, singular. Singular zone. <laughs> singular spoiler zone. Anton has something. Well, this is one more thing to add. I think the fact that it's designed as a platforming game also makes it a little bit more accessible. So that people who aren't necessarily adventure game nerds could approach it and play it with their friends and stuff and not get totally lost but it's a bad platformer whoa okay okay we're gonna we're gonna go to a quick intermission here <laughs> just let, let people cool down um uh when we get back we're going to do the spoiler side of the podcast we're going to talk about individual puzzles and specific things that we either liked or didn't like so what, we, what, what game is next time for those who are leaving oh for those who are leaving uh next month we're going to keep going on our uh, double fine kick for next month, and we're going to be reviewing uh, Broken Age, the new uh, Double Fine Adventure game. Or like Broken Promise. Okay, okay, we'll keep that <laughs> keep that for next month. Is it on sale right now? It is actually on sale right now on Steam. It, it's really cheap. Six bucks for Broken Age. You can't go wrong. Um, so that's going to be next month's game. Send us your feedback, either written or MP3, to podcast at ridgewayfilms.com, and we will regurgitated in some form for for others to listen to um okay we will see you guys for those of you who are sticking with us we will see you after the break bye viewers who are leaving <laughs> <laughs>
signpost up his head. The spoiler zone. Spoiler. Okay, so we're back for uh, spoiler commentary on the cave. We're going to talk about specific puzzles. I feel like things that we've kind of been dancing right. around so I, far. I can, I can loosen up now. I can take off this bat man. And Alex is going to take off the bat cowl. You can loosen up now. We're, we're among friends now. <laughs> Real viewers. Well, now I feel like you'll be able to breathe through your nose. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's also a good thing. I didn't like <laughs> so, yeah, um, do we want to just start over at the beginning, let Phil have a few words about puzzles? Okay, so, um, when I was talking earlier about like how you have the different uh, characters and each character has specific puzzles for them, uh, there are definitely characters that I thought made it a better adventure game if you played those characters through than other characters. Um, if I had to say, if you... if for people listening, the people, like, the ones that you really want... If you want, the, in my opinion, the full cave experience, you should definitely take... Oh, let's see. It's been a while. Uh, you should definitely take the twins. The twins, I thought, their area... Although, like, if you're playing multiplayer, there's nothing for the other two characters to do. The twins po- portion is really, really fun. And it's a really solid adventure game portion. <laughs> So, yeah, definitely the twins would be one to take. Um, other really good characters, that that would probably be my top tier. You Every run you want to take the twins, just because they're the most, well, every run. You don't want to find out anything else. You want to take the twins the only time, play through it again and again with the twins. No, but they're, the, they're definitely the most fun. Um, you can finish it in three runs, yeah, if you take the twins every time. Uh, I thought uh, probably the other two that I thought would be really good to take would be the Time Traveler. Her puzzles, like, you know, extremely Dave the uh, Tentacle-oriented time travel. Those were really fun. And the night, I thought, was also really good uh, puzzles to go with his. Um, The other characters, the hillbilly and the... Let's see. Scientist? No, I was going to say Adventure and Scientists are two of my least favorite. Uh, They are... eh, Both of them, you can get stuck irreversibly on puzzles to the point where you have to reset your whole like you have to go back all the way to the first of the cave yes well not glitches like there's a point in the adventurer's pyramid where if you have the wrong character jump past a hole that they can't get climb back out of you're kind of stuck and we when i did a playthrough of it i had the adventurer go down into one portion of the cave and then she couldn't jump back up and she was trapped in a room with spikes and then all the other characters there's a little swing gap place they had to get past but i didn't have the adventurer so i couldn't get past so, you should so the sh- hang on. Well, I mean, the powers are like, I wouldn't say they're that important. Like some of the characters, yeah, they do have slightly helpful powers, but I mean, it's not like game changing. One run's gonna be super easy because you have like the monk. It's like it's like having an extra item. Hang on. It's it's equivalent to having an extra inventory item because it just solves specific problems. Yeah, like I think a good example would be the time traveler. Like the time traveler can't do anything except like jump forward a bit, like. So there are like these certain thin walls that uh, only the time traveler can get through. So I think that mechanic-wise, that that was put there so that you know you could block it off if you didn't have that person in your party. Like I didn't feel like they were like extra abilities. No, yeah. So I I think that all the characters were like balanced fine. Uh, they're just certain portions of the game I thought were more fun than others. Scientists and Venture were probably my least favorite. Monk and uh, oh, who's the other one? Hillbilly. Yeah, I think that covers them. There's seven characters all. So, yeah. Um, as for that, there's always three portions of the cave you go through every time. You go meet the miner, you go meet the uh, oh, the hunter, 
and the uh, yeah the hermit. Those portions of the game get really stale very quickly because it's the same puzzles every time, regardless of who you have. So uh, yeah, uh, overall, I think you could play through three times and be satisfied. Um, I think that each character has puzzles warranting to play through with them, but beyond that, I don't really see like the theoretic. Theoretically, you want to play through it. Like I think I worked it out to like five times. You can get it, see everything. I don't think anyone wants. Like, you're not going to really want to do that once you see, like, a couple... Like, once you play through with all the characters, I think you'll feel satisfied with the game. alternate endings. Yeah, alternate endings. Like we were mentioning earlier, the, when you get to endings, uh, basically you have a choice. Either take the item you desire and get a bad end, or you leave it, and then you leave the cave, and you found inner peace, and you get a good end. Some characters have much more traumatic endings than others. The twins, like... The twins, they're my favorite. I love the twins so much. But, uh, yeah... No, I don't want to say that. I mean, the twins have a really good ending. That's all I'm going to say. So, yeah. Uh, so, basically, each character has two endings. I don't think it's worth seeing all of them. You can kind of estimate... Because you get the, the same build-up every time you go through the cave with the murals. Like, you get to see the same story points. You can kind of imagine a good end and a bad end from those story points. So, yeah. Story-wise, I thought it was lacking, but, you know... Eh. I, I, was, I was content. Like, the puzzles, I thought, were enjoyable the first couple of times through. So yeah. Let's let's move it over to Anton first. <laughs> I like the cave a lot. <laughs> um, I don't know. I said most of my stuff last time around. But I just appreciated the way that all the different areas were mishmashed together and it's the whole Twilight Zone thing gave it a really cool aesthetic that I just really enjoyed. I thought it was a lot of fun. Were there any specific puzzles you liked or disliked? Oh, oh, um, hmm. I like the night. I remember liking the knights puzzles a lot, but it's been a long time since I did those. The twins are all always a highlight, but I'm not. Go I'm not going to go into any more details <laughs> since you guys haven't played it yet. Uh, um, disliked puzzles. There's the we ran most recently. We ran into a puzzle in the time traveler section with a well that was very incoherent. Just because, it, I mean, a lot of it, they telegraph really clearly, like, the platforming stuff, like, how, what you're supposed to be doing and what effect it has. But on this one, it was very mush, mushy, like, what you're supposed to do and what effects it was having. And we had to have Phil come around the corner and explain what what we were missing. And it was really obvious, but we just didn't see it because it was kind of weird. So I think that particular puzzle, which was my least favorite as well from our one playthrough... I think that's another artifact of the fact that they were trying to switch between multiplayer and single player because if you were a single player, what what tripped us up was you had to hold some buttons and we weren't holding them when we switched between characters because we didn't realize we needed to. And if you were a single player, that would just get held automatically for you. But it, as we were multiplayer, we just let go of the buttons because we thought, oh, we're not doing anything. Someone else's turn to do stuff. Right. And so I think that was, I don't know. I don't know if you could categorize that as a glitch but it wasn't necessarily what the puzzle intended. I think it's a place where there could have been a lot more polish because what happened was if one of us forgot to do something in an older time period and then you switched to a more forward time period and you let go of the button, like you would just see like kind of a bump on the screen where like an object would just kind of hop in the air for a second or things would just randomly just like vanish instantly. So I think if they'd had like, you know, like a little puff of smoke or some kind of like time travel effect like in Day of the Tentacle where there's like little sparkles I think that would have clued us into the fact that we were like you know not coordinating the way we should 
I think that was the only place where we got stuck on our playthrough where we had to go get a guide, or, or rather go get Phil to help us. <laughs> the guide. I will uh, mention really quickly, maybe I've gotten softer in the years, but, <laughs> like, I, I used to really kind of feel bad about the fact that they started introducing hint systems more and more into adventure games. I feel like the cave would have benefited from one, because it was kind of, certain puzzles felt really... Especially on the time traveler one, now that I have my mind on it, certain puzzles felt very like you knew what you're supposed to do, but felt like you're like missing one or two little things. Like that kind of was frustrating in certain ways. Like I don't know. I feel like the puzzles were would have benefited from a like a little hint system. Like the fact that there wasn't an option there. Like you'd be stuck trying to like you knew the answer, but you couldn't quite get the game mechanics to give you like what you wanted. I thought that was a little obnoxious. Especially since you already have a narrator, the cave, telling you, like, kind of guiding you on things like what you're supposed to be doing. That would have been a great place to put in, like, little nudges in the right direction. Yeah, Anton, were you done? Yeah. Okay. It's time for mystery person spoilers. (laughs) Mystery person. So I was the adventurer, and I actually disagree with Phil. I like the adventurer's puzzles a lot, but I do see how you could get stuck. Like, there were a couple times when I legit sat there and thought, I think we broke the game, but we didn't, so it was okay. But I did like hers a lot, and I especially, like, you get to push some guy onto spikes, and <laughs> that that entertained me no end for whatever reason. <laughs> Take that as you will, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, so I actually did like the adventurer's puzzle the best, but I did feel like... The monk and the time traveler's puzzles were well stylized. Like, I liked their atmosphere and the fact that they all kind of tied together. So, I didn't find any particularly bad ones except for the glitchy well. So, that's my comments. <laughs> oh, I should yeah. comment on the ending. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talk about the ending. So, the ending, like they said, you have a choice. And this choice involves you basically using the item again. Or using a different item again, depending on how you look at it. And were I not playing with people who had played before, I would never have known that you could have even do that, done that. And so I feel like it needed a sign or a hint or anything to indicate that there was a choice. Because had I played through on my own, I would not have even realized that there was a choice. And so for me, that kind of ruined the ending a bit. I mean... It was what it was, but then it also glitched out in that my character, the adventurer, the last two panels were happy, even though I chose the bad ending, and it glitched and didn't show like her skeleton at the end, and so I legit <laughs> thought that I had gotten a good ending for me. <laughs> right, because for the adventurer, like it shows you like a newspaper clipping where she's like found fame and fortune. She looks relatively happy, but who, who was it? You Phil or Anton? That yes. Phil came in the room like as we're finishing up the game, and so Anton was the only one who picked like the enlightened ending and as the monk and he came out and he was like standing in the forest outside the cave and then me and uh, our mystery guest picked the wrong endings morally speaking and so what happened was Anton the monk was the only one standing outside the forest and we the rest of us just disappeared. So then Phil walks in the room and he's like, "Oh yeah, the game glitched out. There's supposed to be skeletons there." So <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was going to say the only reason Anton and I and Alex all know about it is that we played through with all the characters, and we knew that there were happy endings. Like, we had seen, like, images online and stuff, but we we had to honestly look it up on the internet. There was There's really no indication in the game how you would get a different ending, so which... 
you think the you think the intention was that it, there was supposed to be like secret endings and then that's why it was kind of hidden from the player possibly but i mean like the only way you'd actually really figure it out is just kind of if you accidentally hit the talk button again then like you try to see where the conversation goes with the uh, shopkeeper at the end so i mean even if there are trying to be secret endings it's still really obnoxious to try to find it out by yourself well, that's why it's a secret if that's what they were going for anton has something Oh, I was just going to say that they, they guilt trip you enough about how, how badly the endings are turning out that I think you would naturally want to try to find a way to make the ending different. And that's probably the only point where there's an obvious way to do it. So that, at least, I think I was told how to do it, but I think I might have figured it out eventually after enough playthroughs. The other thing that kind of bugged me about the good and bad endings is that, like, like the good the, the good action you have to perform at the end is supposed to like i guess undo like the murders you committed <laughs> earlier in the game like what i was kind of thinking they were going for was that you know at the the key points in each person's like puzzle section like when you're you're you know murdering the person that you're supposed to like find some alternate more difficult puzzle solution so that you don't have to commit the act of murder and then that would lead you to the good ending but the fact that like you have to murder somebody no matter what and then at the end, you just kind of, like, leave your thing in the cave. Then that gives you the happy ending. That seemed, like, kind of, I don't know, facile to me. Well, I mean, it depends on your interpretation on what, what the cave is. And if this is something that they're doing at the time you're playing it, or if it's something they're already, they've already done that they're having to relive, like, in the cave, like, in a purgatory sort of way. Or if it's all purely hypothetical, or, like, what's, what, what is the deal here? And I guess that the emphasis is supposed to be on the change of heart probably i see that makes sense did anyone else have any comments i was going to go into my spoiler comments so um just kind of reiterating just kind of reiterating what everyone else was saying um i definitely the time traveler section was my favorite part of the whole game like i'm a sucker for time travel puzzles just because you know day of the tentacle and whatnot (laughs) that was my favorite part where like you could go to three different time periods in the same section of the cave and move stuff around in different sections of time and, you know, cause, you know, causal reactions and whatnot. I, I really enjoyed those puzzles. They were, like I said earlier, I, I just generally enjoyed all the puzzles. Um, design-wise, it did bug me a little bit that it seemed like certain items were used more than once. Well, what was with the corn cans? Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. We kept running into these empty cans of creamed corn that, like, served no perceivable purpose in the game. Like, we would just come to certain puzzle segments and pick up a can of creamed corn Hang on. Um, it shows up, I think. Showed up for the minor. It shows up for the minor. It shows up for the hermit. Yeah. Um, there are certain items that you can take with you all the way through the cave. Most notably, in the gift shop, when you're there for the first time, you can pick up a postcard that serves no purpose. But if you bring it to the end, uh, you can put it back into the postcard slot, and then the guy thanks you for doing that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Big, big rewards. Um. I don't know. The cans of corn, I've tried to find a use for them. Uh, there are certain things that you can do to them to crush them. Other than that, yeah. Well, what I was getting to, um, and I actually read this online, and it didn't occur to us during our playthrough, but when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, that is kind of a bad design. But when you're going through the minor section, you can pick up a bucket, and um, if you hold on to that bucket when you're done with the minor section, take it with you into the time travel segment, you can actually completely bypass that whole puzzle with the well if you just hold onto the bucket from the earlier puzzle. So I don't know if that's actually, like, good design or bad design, but it is kind of weird that they would let you, like, recycle the same item twice and then let you skip an entire puzzle chain 
Like, I don't know if that was a mistake or if they're rewarding you for holding on to stuff all the way through the cave. Um, but yeah, overall, you know, generally I thought the puzzles were pretty well designed and I liked the changes in atmosphere, kind of like what we were alluding to earlier. Like, it's not just, you know, your bog standard cave all the way through the game. Like, you'll kind of spelunk for a little bit and you'll come across this giant pyramid and then, you know, the aesthetic of the game changes a bit. Or, you know, you'll come to this monk temple that's on top of this really high cliff inside the cave. Just all these little um, stylistic changes that um, kept things mixed up and fresh, I thought. Um, we kind of already talked about the, the buggy ending. Um, I don't know that I have that much else to add in terms of spoilers. I did I did generally enjoy the, the game, you know, except for kind of the little niggly points we already talked about. And um, now we're going to pass it over to Alex, because I think Alex is brimming with comments. Well... I would say that the cave is a game that was designed by it, the creative team was very good, but it was technically a failure. And I I can't say I enjoyed any of the. Well, <laughs> see, I've been. Can't say well, I enjoyed any of okay, so. So my problem with the cave stems mostly from how prevalent the technical issues are. You, if, Because you have to play through the game multiple times every time you find some wonderful new glitch. And half the time those glitches make you reset the whole game. Each playthrough of the game. Also, by the way, if you, uh, the way the game is set up, if you get stuck somewhere... Like, if you go into a room that has no door out, which happens quite a bit, and you're like, oh, I'll reset the game. When you turn the game back on, it will be, the character will be there again. Because they're like, well, we don't want you to have to play through that level again if you're in the middle of it when you stop. So, but there's no, like, run me back a couple of checkpoints like there are in other games. So, I feel like they should have admitted the fact that it's, it's horribly buggy and just put in, like, buttons and the options to help you deal with that. I mean, they give you a kill button, so if you, like, fall through the floor or something, then you can, like, kill yourself and teleport back to where you just were. No, 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 no. See, when you get stuck in a room, the, every no, time no, you no, kill no. yourself, you revert to that room. Right. Which, also, by the way, when you die, you turn into a little poof, and then it poofs you back to a safe place. <laughs> so, just so you know. Um, oh, let's see. So, well, one before, of my... Before you go on, like, yeah, I, I agree that they should have probably, like, tested a little more, and I think it does say something that you have to include a kill button in your controls, you know, in case it glitches out on you while you're playing it. Did you actually, did you try, like, just hard resetting when you got stuck? or Because okay. when you quit, it's, like, saves and quits. Yeah, 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 well, I mean, it saves... So, like, if you get stuck in a room, you quit it, you turn off the whole system, you yeah, turn it back just, on. Like, just shut the power off on the Wii U, don't, like, save and quit. Well, then, then you're not going to... It's going to, unless you've stopped it beforehand, you're going to have to reset the whole game anyway. So. Yeah, but like, if you quit within. Well, I mean, so, so how it saves is it saves every, like, like every time you get to a point, where you, if you hit the kill buttons, you'll revert to it. That is where you will be when you boot it back up. I think. So you're saying you get to a point. You're saying you get to a point where uh, hitting the kill button does nothing. 
Yeah, so that that's bad. But these these are minor issues compared to my big my big beef with this game. My beef with this my beef with this game expands as I play better games because I realize, oh, here's how you do it. Wow. So here's my great here's my big problem. It was so the designers were sitting down one day, and this guy walked in and was like, "Guys, have you heard of this game? It's called Mass Effect. It's a game where the whole time you have morality things." They're like, "Wow, we should put this into our game." Oh no, the game's coming out tomorrow. Well, it's okay. Let's <laughs> just, just just draw a couple of pictures of everyone being happy and throw it in the game and make it so that if you don't get the thing you're building up the whole game to, and said the player does something that he doesn't even know he's supposed to do. Then, then you can, then, then you get the happy ending. So, so it's like the whole time through the game, you're doing all these terrible things. You're shoving people into spikes, and and you're and you're just being the worst person ever. So the player thinks, oh, I'm the worst person ever. And then at the end, you cannot take your the thing you want because every character goes into the cave to get something because they want it. So you can leave it in the cave and then leave. And the idea is, oh, you get the good ending. But in the cave, you are the biggest wad of horribleness. Just, just take. <laughs> take everything bad and you wad it up and you get one of the characters and 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 so but but then you, you because you didn't get because you leave like the can of corn and you've gone to the cave to get you, you're a nice person now no and 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 uh, you see you see like like games like undertale are games that well let's see see in undertale they're very they're very explicit about the fact that you are being evil now, and you are being good now. And the game is very explicit on here's how you be good, and here's how you be bad, to the point where once you've completed a run of the game, there's a thing where a character will tell you what you need to do to get a better ending, or get closer to getting the best ending. So you can you can experience all of the game without having to look it up if you want to do that. The Cave is a game where it doesn't tell you... There's no indication that there's even a good ending. I was flabbergasted when Phil came to me and said, did you know you could get a good ending in the cave? I was like, no, because there's no indication of that in the cave at all. Is if you The, the proper build-up to each character is what they've been doing is to get the bad ending, and then and now randomly you can get a good ending for just doing one little nice thing. <laughs> I will say, although uh, it has been pointed out several times that it is kind of obnoxious to try to find better endings, I do like the fact that they don't like force feed you the fact that you do have a choice that you do kind of have to play around. Like there is some like discovery, yeah, as Anton's saying. There's a discovery factor that like you know you get to play multiple times and you'll come across it eventually. But because the game is so incompetent at everything, there is no indi- there's no indication that they even programmed a good ending. So how am I supposed to know? You know, uh, you you need to make a game where you don't have to look up. You can do certain things to do it. Son, get good. <laughs> everybody's reaching for the microphone i would just like to just i I don't want to derail this discussion i just had a thought sitting here listening to alex talk about how everybody was um you know kind of like a complete wad going into the cave since there were seven characters do you think that each character i mean i can't speak to this because i haven't played every character do you think because there are seven characters do you think each character is supposed to correspond to one of the deadly sins Hold on, so so you got the hillbilly. He's jealousy. Um, the adventurer was greed. Yeah. Um, time traveler. I could see this working. So who's sloth? 
Who would be Sloth? Would that be the hillbilly? I haven't played the. I haven't. The, the hillbilly gets mad because he falls in love with someone, and then someone else falls in love with the same lady, and then the lady chooses the other person. So he gets mad and tries to kill the other person. Jealousy. Yeah. Right. And then that would work out. I just wanted to jump back a bit. <laughs> Sorry. I know that was like kind of going off on a tangent. That thought just occurred to me sitting here. Well, so listening to Alex talk about the ending thing, I don't think it would have been very constructive to have any sort of, like, in-depth morality stuff in the game. Because it seemed to me like the whole point of the game was that the cave revealed, sort of revealed the darkness of the characters and, like, gave them the opportunity to, like, it shows, like, gives them a look in the mirror, as it were, and then give, they have to decide what to do about it after they've finished and, like, not in the middle of it. I think that's... That, that's what, it made sense to me to structure it that way. So there's another much more realistic-looking adventure game called Tormentum that I've seen some of recently, and it has it doesn't have any sort of moral compass thing per se. It does this interesting thing where you make some choices, and you aren't really sure what which is good and which is bad. Like it gives you some morally great choices, and then it judges you for those at the end. It goes through each one and tells you why one was good and one was bad, and that I think would have been more interesting for this. Alex, uh, final thoughts. Uh, okay, okay, quick, very quickly. Mass Effect has a very bad... <laughs> no, we're talking about the cave. No, if I could finish and you wouldn't rip the microphone away from my mouth. My lovely mouth. Um, <laughs> uh, Mass Effect has a dumb morality system, even though it's way better in the cave, because there is a slot for the good choice, a slot for the neutral choice, and a slot for the bad choice. So you don't really... So it's very obvious. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in the... It's... You, the, the the cave the the cave the the, the the cave is a game that the Anton says it's supposed to be a look in the mirror but when you look in the mirror that's a passive activity you're not you're not you're not pushing people on the spikes if you're taking the cave literally you push people on the spikes you build a nuke you murder a guy you know um it, yeah, in, when Anton was talking about how like it um it could be interpreted like. I just went blank. Like it's not literally happening. Like these are I'm just like I have several these are like re- like replaying like earlier life events, and then like the cave is like some kind of purgatory where they're having to relive it. Well, okay, but I feel like I feel like what would have been much better is if they made it obvious that you. Well, no, not not Mass Effect. I'm just trying to say, having it so you do all this stuff in a very streamlined fashion of you have no choice. You push that guy in the spike, otherwise you're stuck here for the rest of eternity. Instead of making it out like a thing you can do, and based on what you do, you get the good or the bad ending. It would have right. been much more natural, and that the cave is flawed more right. so than it would have been without that. But because we're running out of time, I would like to sum up my notes by saying I feel like it would have been a lot better if I could have had two hands with each character, and because there's so many buttons, you know, it's like like each character you hold like a crowbar, and I'm like, okay, can I hold this key in the other hand? They're like, no. No, you big dummy. <laughs> and you I've, can't climb ladders. Well, you can climb. Like, put it in, well, have them put it in their pocket. <laughs> they have po- That's an inventory. There's well, no inventory. In no, no, no. Just, like, have, like, two buttons on the controller. They're dedicated to the inventories of each character. That was against what Laurent Gilbert was going for. He didn't want an inventory. Okay, no, no, no. Just have, like, le- like the L trigger is, like, left hand. R trigger is right hand. That have been... We'll save a lot of backtracking, especially on the yeah, stupid island where you have to hold all the items and repair all the random nonsense. 
Okay, okay, very, very quickly though. Um, uh, I'm giving you 30 seconds. Ah, I'm trying to think now. Um, I felt like as well the um, it was very visually interesting, but and and the music was not obnoxious, so I'll say it's good. You know, if 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 I don't say if I don't think to myself this music is bad, then I'll say the music is doing a good job. Um, yeah, well, the same thing as sound design and um, but, but, but the voice acting was good, although I feel like the lines were a bit cheesy and kind of dumb. No, hey, hold on. You get. We, we have to move on. We're okay. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. If uh, everybody just blurt out an alphabet letter a, between A and F to give it your cave rating, Anton. A plus. B minus. I'm going with B minus also. Alex. D minus. C plus. C plus. Okay, you can average that and figure out what do we what do we think of the cave. All right. No, 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 no. We're going to feedback. Feedback time. We got a piece of feedback for the cave. We're gonna do feedback, feedback. I need to figure out a bit a good uh, feedback jingle. All right. So. We we received a piece of feedback once again from our listener Peter Stockwell, and he writes about the cave. I played the cave on the Wii U and did not even realize multiplayer was an option until I had finished the entire game with all seven characters. <laughs> Poor soul. Uh, Peter goes on to say, I mention this because despite the tedium, I still found the cave really compelling even after I experienced it in the less than ideal way. Yes, playing through the game three times gets a little boring, especially when you get to the sections of the game that are consistent through with each every character combination. Yes, controlling all three characters means that sometimes it takes three times as long to traverse a simple section of the map. Yes, some of these puzzles are fairly annoying and the jokes lose some of their spark the second or third time you hear them. But the aesthetic of the game is so charming that I muscled through all of those rough patches. The different characters you encounter and play... Uh, the different character... Excuse me. The different characters you encounter and play as with in, in the game are so distinct and well-conceived that it's easy to forgive the game for its shortcomings. Most of these problems come from the game being very slow-paced and having to complete it three times to see the story for all seven characters. Worse still is that the final playthrough requires using at least two of the same characters you've used before. I'm at a loss as to why they didn't make the cast of characters divisible by three to avoid this. I suppose they expected you'd play the game in multiplayer with different people each time and have unique experience regardless of which of the characters each player chose. This would be consistent with how you get the good ending for each character since it wouldn't naturally occur to you to return the item at the end of the game at all, let alone three times. It suggests that they did expect you to play through the game many times with many different people and essentially try to break the game. Subsequent plays of the game show that they thought a lot about what characters you could have with you at each point. With some creativity, there are subtle ways you can use different characters to make various puzzles in the game easier, though some characters have more useful abilities than others. All the detail that went into the game really makes it enchanting in spite of some of its flaws. I've still never managed to get anyone else to play it, but it always makes everyone laugh when they see me play it. If I had to make a suggestion, I'd say that this is a game you perhaps shouldn't play all at once. Rather, pick it up every now and then to... Pick it up every now and again to re-experience its charm. It's memorable, and though I've no desire to solve those puzzles in the monk path again, I'll likely return to it many times in the future. Thanks again, guys. You're all awesome. Blessings, Peter Stockwell. Thank you, Peter, for that great cave feedback. Uh, Do you guys have any thoughts to kind of bounce off what he said? Alex has thoughts. 
Don't, don't just continue your review. Do you think those jokes lose all of their sparks the ninth time you've heard them? They, they're, they are just... I imagine they do. They're like stale bread. They hurt when you... Well, I think the only joke that really irritated me and rubbed me the wrong way was the Music Man joke on the island. Where he's like, it's capital T that rhymes with P that stands for Hermit. Like, Ron, what are you doing? Yeah, they're kind of overdoing it there. But I thought he really basically summed up all the things we had to say. This I think is a pretty good summary of the pros and cons of the game. Right, I agree. Yes, yes, great thoughts. Yay. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, so yes, that's it for the cave. Um, next time we'll be playing Broken Age, as I mentioned earlier. Um, if you guys have thoughts about Broken Age, or um, we're probably going to do a section kind of discussing like the uh, the path we had to take to get to Broken Age, and like some of the ups and downs that happened along the way, and kind of discuss that. So if you have thoughts about anything related to Broken Age in general, uh, send it into podcast at ridgewayfilms.com and we will uh, read back to you guys. Um, does anyone have any closing thoughts before we go? Alex? I wish I could have finished my review, but oh well. (laughs) (laughs) I just remembered that I don't think we mentioned how great some of the voice actors are. I always like to highlight the worst voice actors in these games, like the troll and Simon the Sorcerer. And I think that the the hermit and the miner. the miner get special. Oh, and then the uh, the zookeeper. The, yeah, the hunter. They all they all get special credits, special props for their kind of lame acting, which is great. Yeah, the miner sounded so unenthusiastic for the entire time. He was just like doing the miner impersonation, but with no emotion. I'd like to give a special shout out to that miner. <laughs> you, <laughs> you made my life very special. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah. Where's my gold? My precious gold. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Okay, well, we will see you guys next month with Broken Age. Uh, I'm Elliot. Anton! I'm a mystery person. Alex left. I'm Phil. And this is Threepcast. Bye! Bye! Threepin' on out of here. The Ron Gilbert interview was conducted by Guy Cocker and is available on GameSpot's YouTube page under the title of Cave Diving with Ron Gilbert. The soundtrack for the cave used in this episode was composed by Brian Min. Please support Double Fine by purchasing the full soundtrack at doublefine.bandcamp.com.